Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. Today we've got a repeat guest, somebody who was on just a year ago. And you know when we have a repeat guest, it means we've got more to learn. So super excited to have Pastor Carl with us. He is the lead pastor of Mosaic Christian Church, which is in Maryland. It's one of the fastest growing churches in the country, and it's serving the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. And we know that that's not the kind of place in the country that fast-growing churches normally come from. So we've got a lot we can learn from Carl today. Welcome. So glad that you're here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Really excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be great. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the church, kind of fill out the story a little bit, anything we're missing. What do you want people to know about Mosaic? Yeah, we, um, like you said, our church plant from 2008, uh, my family planted it back then, you know, moved to some portable locations and got in our own building a few years ago. And uh, we are back, back, back from coronavirus world, um, where I just think we're in the new normal and have been in the new normal and uh, pushing along and seeing a lot of great momentum. Love it. Well, you know, one of the things when I, because uh, you should go to your church website, so mosaicchristian.org, if listeners, if you were to go there now, and huge bold letters on the front of the website, uh, church for people who don't go to church, that's a bold statement. Tell me why you've landed on that. What do you mean by that? I'm sure that's much more than just a, a marketing statement. Tell me about what you mean by that. Absolutely. I think it's a biblical statement. And Mm. you're aware that in church world, we're always like swinging the pendulum back in the direction that it went too far from, right? And I think this is a response to that. I believe every church is theologically, biblically supposed to be a church for people who don't go to church. But what it simply, at its most basic form, is our paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 14, that Paul says, hey, I love that you're doing these spiritual things, but speak a language that everybody can understand. So the non-believer hears the gospel. And Mm. what we're saying in that simple phrase is we are the church. We do not apologize for that. We love Jesus. He is our savior. The Bible is our standard. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we are going to do church in a way that makes sense to people who don't have a background in church or the Bible. Yeah. And what would be some of those things that, and this is what I appreciate about you. You're not, um, that's not just like a slick marketing kind of thing. Um, this drives deep. It gets to who you are as a community, but what would be some of those things that are maybe beyond the surface, beyond the, uh, you know, the veneer that drive deep and say, Hey, we want to be the kind of place where people, regardless of their background can feel open, can feel, um, safe, can feel like, Hey, this is a great place to, to be. You know, as Christians, um, I'll speak for myself, but I think others can relate. We are so bad at remembering the depths from which Jesus saved us. Mm. And we forget. And we get in our own little world that's full of joy and hope and community. And we we have to remember what it was like. I believe that happens in a couple ways. One of them is just by being around non-believers. Who is your friend that you're praying for to be saved? Mm. Because 
when you're doing that, you'll look at everything through the lens of their eyes and ears. And the other thing is just continuing to let Jesus deal with our own junk, to be vulnerable about Mm -hmm. our brokenness so Jesus can continue this lifelong process of healing us. Mm-hmm. Let's I, let's let's pause on that vulnerability idea. You know, I think one of the criticisms that can be kind of thrown against the church is that we can sometimes be considered shallow or considered um, not authentic, not vulnerable. Why why would you say vulnerability is really an issue? Something that we need to uh, to lead with as a church. I, I totally agree, but why why is that so important? Well, you've heard, we've all heard, right? The thing of like, I, I want to go deeper or I need <laughs> deeper teaching or, or deeper this and that. And mm-hmm. sometimes as church leaders, we get offended and write those people off. I think most of the time that desire is healthy. Like I, mm-hmm. I want to go deeper with Jesus, right? I want to go mm-hmm. deeper in my relationship with my wife and my good friends and all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we miss what it's about because deeper isn't, I need to go back and get a refresher on my Koine Greek. <laughs> deeper so true. is being real about mm-hmm. the ways I'm still broken that Jesus hasn't fixed yet and ways mm-hmm. in whether it's pain, whether it's doubt, whether it's even some hopes I have about the future that I'm scared to talk about, mm-hmm. giving those to Jesus, letting him do what he will with them so that I can become who he wants me to be. So um, deeper. So there's a lot of talk about vulnerability in our world today. Right. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love the Brene Brown books and podcasts, mm-hmm. and there's uh, all different people talking about that. But what I noticed over the last several years is I would get get those tools and realize I'm worthy and I'm enough because I was able to combine what these secular people are saying with the gospel. But mm-hmm. I realized there was this gap in the church in Christianity as far as equipping people to do this work because we need to combine my broke my open vulnerability about my brokenness with mm-hmm. the truth and grace of the gospel and the result of that i believe is when true community happens that jesus calls his church mm. oh i'd love to hear more about that what is what is open brokenness maybe we'll start with you as a leader what does that look like for you i i think this is a is critically important. It's one of those, I would say, major paradigm shifts from when I started in ministry, which is too many years ago to count. Uh, you know, at that point, it was like it was almost like we wanted leaders who were superhuman, um, and that I think was super unhealthy. But it was like we wanted them to be distant, we wanted them to be perfect, um, and that it didn't work out. But now I love that you're pushing for and tra- and championing open brokenness. But what does that look like for you as as a leader, Carl? As a lead, uh, leaders have to go first. Yep. And so it simply means that whatever context I'm in, I have to set the standard of here's what it means to be vulnerable here. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Whether that's sitting around a fire pit with my buddies, whether that's around the dinner table with my family, and obviously including when I'm on the platform teaching our entire church. Mm-hmm. And so I had this pit in my stomach a couple of years ago when we were doing a long series through the Song of Solomon. And, you know, most of that can be fun and there's grace, there's truth. It's all great. But I realized, oh, arguably the number one sexual dysfunction in our country has to do with porn. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to talk about my past porn problem. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a sermon that I was 
probably more nervous to share than anything I've ever shared. I even said in the intro, like, hey, this sermon would get me fired from some churches. Wow. And I had run it by trusted men. My wife had read it. So it wasn't me just getting up there being inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Right. I did hear of one pastor who got up and said, you know, uh, I need some of you ladies to dress better because I have a lust problem. And I was oh, like, gosh. Whoa! Oh, my goodness. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Back Honey, it up. That's back the last day of this church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, one of my friends and I talk about this way, it's what gives me the bubble guts. Mm. That's what I have to share. Mm. So I went on this <laughs> retreat a couple years ago that helped me kind of crystallize this thinking because one of the exercises we had to do is we had to get up in this room of about 30 or so men mm-hmm. and say, the truth I don't want you to know is blank. Uh, okay. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, crap. Yes. But other men went first, including right. a couple of leaders. And so I had no choice but to follow their example. Mm. The trick though is in church world, we want it to be the truth I didn't want you to know. So for what I mean mm. is I went back, I don't know, a year or two later and helped lead that same retreat. And mm. the organizer said, hey, Carl, would you be one of the, the men who modeled this exercise? Like, you'll go first. And I said, oh, sure. Mm. Yeah. Like, I can share what I shared and mm. all that. And they corrected me. Um, they said, no, 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 no. It's not the truth you didn't want people to know two years ago. It's the truth you don't want people <laughs> to know now. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I got to do do this again. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Wow. But I believe that's what it means to be a leader is always putting yourself in the front. It's giving people ammo saying, you can shoot me with this if you want. But Mm -hmm. I know freedom with Jesus only happens when I'm real. Mm -hmm. So I have to be real in the context of community if I want this community to be worth anything. (laughs) Because I know you have stuff that you need to be open about, and I don't know what it is, but I know, and I'm not going to compare our things, but I know what my thing is doing to me, your thing is doing to you. So if I'm brave enough to put my thing out there and say, hey, here's what Jesus is helping me deal with. I don't Mm -hmm. have answers yet, so don't ask me what the solution is, but I just know (laughs) he's got me and he's going to get me through it. Somebody else Hmm. is going to have their thing. Love that. So we're kind of tiptoeing around this and, you know, talking about, um, you know how we're how we can create a more open, uh, broken community. Talk me through how you've been able to structure that at Mosaic in a way that is responsible. You know, you've kind of mentioned it a little bit there, because we, you know, we want to create a place where people uh, are able to um, to share, but also we want to do that in a context that's that's helpful, like that one story about that kind like, we don't want it to be like that one story. No, like the pastor who said that. something inappropriate. How have you been able to create some, some guidelines, some, um, you know, some boundaries around ensuring that people are sharing appropriate things at the right time in the right place, that sort of thing? Yeah. So I'd always rather err on the side of sharing too much because the church, you know, it's like that pendulum thing. The church is traditionally not shared enough. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it's like, hey, take a risk, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's going to feel scary. It's going to it's going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think it does start up front. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have to start in the preaching. So just one really practical thing mm-hmm. we do because I I need it, and I preach about seventy five percent of the time here. Mm-hmm. Is on Wednesday the week I'm preaching, I will always preach my entire sermon in a conference room to two other people, and mm-hmm. I've used other pastors over the years for that. I've used uh, mostly current staff now. Um, and it's not just anybody, it's selected people 
who I know will help me not like fine tune a theological point, although they can if I need that. Mm -hmm. It's more like, hey, are you being vulnerable? Are you being appropriate? Are you giving bread for the hungry? Like that's one Mm -hmm. of the primary questions they ask and they'll push back on me. Mm, and so I love that last week I went in that <laughs> and I thought, man, I'm not getting anything due on Thursday. My sermon's done. And then I did that. And they're like, yeah, you need to, you need some work here. Um, wow. So it took some more hours, love that. but uh, that's one place it starts. And mm-hmm. then even as we talk about community, our staff has to model it and how they mm-hmm. lead volunteer teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, our group leaders have to model it. You mm-hmm. know, when we interview group leaders, if, if they're just, you know, I, if they just say they're full of the joy of the Lord all the time, every day, I'm like, I'm happy for you. <laughs> yes, yes. That's not my experience. Yes. So let's go a level deeper. And if they yes. can't, I don't know if I can put them around other people whose lives are falling apart as their leader. Right. Okay. I wonder about, you know, there's this um, aspect of creating the kind of community that is full of both grace and truth. There's kind of the other side of vulnerability, which is um, calling out. It's the, you know, Matthew 18, Hey, you've sinned against me. There's a, you know, there's a problem between us. What has that looked like in mosaic? How have you encouraged people to live, um, you know, a transparent life when it comes to maybe confronting each other or talking through, uh, you know, talking to each other about uh, issues that, that sometimes we might just avoid because it's you know not polite company or whatever that looks like in some churches. Yeah, so that's a great question um, that not many people ask me about this. Is so when we talk about Matthew eighteen or you know like Christian mm-hmm. di- church discipline, mm-hmm. um, Jesus always tells us to look in the mirror first, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, multiple places he talks about that Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you know, let him without sin throw the first stone. All of that stuff. We always look in the mirror first. So. If it's not safe for me here to be vulnerable about, I have this issue that's going on. I have this doubt. I have this pain and I'm mad at God. Mm. Then I guess I'm just going to look to throw stones at other people because I can't share my stuff. So I'll just find somebody who has something worse Mm. Mm. and that'll take, that'll take the spotlight (laughs) off of me. So I think a lot of the problem with quote unquote church discipline is that we haven't done this because if we Mm. create a culture where it's okay to be broken Mm-hmm. then I'm not constantly the police looking for who else is doing something worse than me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love so that. So then if I do confront, it's because I've already done some work myself. And then, man, it's really based in compassion because mm-hmm. I know how much I don't know and mess up and need Jesus. So the confronting thing is not going to be a finger point. It's going to be a thing with, with tears of, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm concerned about you. And that's just a hundred percent different than how a lot of us envision that. Yeah. I love that. So the thing I want to encourage our listeners, I, I just think this is, I think you're the kind of leader people should be following around, particularly on these issues. I think there's something you are, are pushing on an issue here that I think all of our churches are facing, whether we talk about it or not. Um, you know, we've all seen these kind of high profile flameouts of, um, significant leaders in the Christian world. And the problem with even talking about that is I know that it's like going to be evergreen content because when you're, whenever you're listening to this, even if you listen from it two years from now, chances are there was someone who just recently had some sort of huge flame out. And one of my kind of concerns for us, the broader us is, you know, rightfully so someone that does something where they step way over the line and then 
you know, this kind of huge crashing accountability comes down on them and they're like extinguished off into the universe somewhere. <laughs> they're gone. Yeah. And the problem with that is oftentimes the way that's handled, I think there's a ton of people out there that re that see that happen. And what it does is it actually forces our own issues deeper down inside. We're less likely to talk to other people because we're like, gosh, I've done really crappy stuff. And if anybody knows about that, man, I'm done. Like it's gonna, it's gonna explode over me. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't, shouldn't have, shouldn't be held responsible for their activities, but there are times where um, we make an unwise, un, you know, foolish decision that actually hasn't, hasn't become sin yet. It's not, it's just stupid. You're being an idiot. Like, why are you doing this? And oftentimes as church leaders, there's no way for us to talk about those things. There's no place for us to actually begin to engage that. Um, and I love that you're pushing us to think about how do we become vulnerable with the people around us? Because I think if we did that more, there would be more leaders who wouldn't go from foolish to stupid to sinful to egregious sin, um, whatever that spectrum is that en ends up with you know their you know them you know ending up ultimately being canceled and like yeah. I say expunged out into the universe somewhere. What does that look like for you in your own team dynamics as people have maybe come forward with things that are in that category of again I, it, it there's a wide spectrum here, but in that kind of unwise, foolish, you know, doesn't really, um, haven't stepped over a line yet, but man, we want to get some corrective behavior. And what does that look like for particularly say that your team, the people that are reporting to you, whether it's either elders you know, on that side or on your staff, what's that look like for you? Well, you know, I think it's AA that says you're only as sick as your secrets. Right. And I love yeah, like oh, that's that good. kind of progression you talked about of like, it's silly to stupid, to, you know, eventually mm -hmm. egregious. That's mm -hmm. so true. And mm -hmm. I can honestly say you could not find any dirt on me or my past that men in this church don't know. Right. Not every man, right? I yes. Mean, I have boundaries. Um, yeah. But there are specific men that you could go to him with the whatever you could find on me. And they'd say, yeah, we know. He's right. told us. Yes. And so yeah. I think it, again, has to start with the leader. I heard one of those, you know, leader... Uh, I was caught. So here's kind of something you may call a confession, but really isn't right. um, where he said, quote, where do pastors go? Hmm. And my answer, I was yelling at YouTube was <laughs> where everybody else goes. Yes. Yes. We're not different to their church. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's speed, called the body of Christ. Say, yeah, we say with other things, speed of the leader, speed of the team. It's true with this as well. If you don't think mm -hmm. it's safe for you, somehow people are going to mm -hmm. pick up. This isn't a safe place for me either. Mm -hmm. It's a safe yeah. place for me to share that type of stuff, but not this yep. stuff. Right. And no, so as leaders, good. we have to go first. What, you mm -hmm. know, combination of elders and staff and men and women in the church. I know, you know, it's this audience is not exclusively pastors, but it's a lot mm -hmm. of pastors and you yep. have to start the community that you want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. I oh, absolutely believe that. Not in yeah, a selfish so way, like, oh, we're just going to sing my favorite worship songs, <laughs> but in right. a broken way of, right. I'm going to be, I am going to lead this. This will be a community that can support me or I will go find a new one, yes. which means yes. I have to put stuff out there to see if they can support me. Yes, absolutely. So when it's Love come that. to uh, leaders um, mm -hmm. with, you know, hard, big things, mm -hmm. uh, it's grace and truth. And yep. so- I heard um, 
I want to ascribe this to Tim Keller. I'm not sure who it was, but that sounds right. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Said that sometimes we approach the paradoxes of the Bible where we want 50-50 each of them, uh, or or we think they're supposed to be balanced. So we'll even approach a situation and say, well, is this grace or is it truth or is it 50-50 both? Mm -hmm. But the paradoxes of the Bible are 100% both. So when Jesus says you die to live, it's not like sometimes die and sometimes live, or it's like half and half. It's no, you fully die so that Mm. you fully live. Mm. And with grace and truth, it's full grace and full truth. So it's, hey, you can't lead here for a season. And the season may last forever. We'll see. We're going to act as if it's forever and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But we're going to pay for you to go to this week-long therapy that costs thousands of dollars. Right, um, right. You can't be on our stage right now because of what's going on in your life. And it's mm-hmm. bad and it's ugly. Mm-hmm. But my wife and I are going to personally mentor you nonstop for the next several years to see if we can help your marriage heal. Right. You know, so it's, it. it's full grace, it's full truth. And I find that when the leader goes first about their stuff, and you work diligently to create a culture of that, that people mm-hmm. accept that. You know, I, I get frustrated if I kind of give a related tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, totally. I get frustrated when Christians and churches and pastors don't preach on hard things. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we need to preach on joy and hope and the things that, you know, make life easier with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also need to preach, you know, like on sexual standards and, you know, sometimes cultural things, right? Mm -hmm, That mm -hmm. are in the gospels and we want to ignore and just go back to like, let's just make everybody feel good today. (laughs) Um, But I think one of the reasons we're hesitant to preach on those things is because we don't, we aren't open, we aren't vulnerable. So there's not a context of grace. So it comes down just as heavy handed truth. Mm. But when Mm. I preach on sexuality and say, God says some hard things and some of y'all need to knock it off. Mm. When that's in a context of my own sexual brokenness that I've written about, that I've preached about, people are like, he's not throwing stones. Right. He just right. wants to find what he's found. Yeah. Love that. Now, how much, you know, I think one of the criticisms of fast growing churches is, is exactly what you're talking about. It's like, well, they're just all, uh, you know, and it's just different criticisms. They're all just easy gospel. They're all just grace, grace, grace. Um, or they avoid, you know, tough things that we don't want to talk about. The kind of vulnerability we're talking about, the brokenness we're talking about, from your perspective as a leader, how does that connect to the fact that you're a fast-growing church? How, how do those two things relate to each other? Are they related? Or are they not related? How, how does that fit together? I absolutely think it's related. I think it's best illustrated in how we do baptism. Mm-hmm. And um, we have a high view of baptism because Jesus mm-hmm. and Paul and the Bible do. And <laughs> yes. so we tell people when you want to accept Christ, have faith. And that's expressed in repentance and baptism. Yeah. And um, it's a central part of our service. Like during the last worship song, the band will kind of, mm-hmm. you know, vamp a little bit and the lights will come up on the baptistry. And we always tell mm-hmm. a story of the person. It's quick, but mm-hmm. it shares their brokenness. So it, it, there's two things going on with our baptism. One is we ask people if we can share like what got them there really. Mm. And so there was a woman recently um, who addiction has ruined her life, like destroyed mm-hmm. her life. And we got into mm-hmm. that in just a sentence or two, but then pointed out she wanted to wait till she was 75 days clean to get baptized. But we pointed out to her, Hey, 
Jesus isn't going to love you more when you're 75 days clean and you're going to still mm-hmm. need his grace just as much then as now. So if you want him, he's ready. And so she mm-hmm. was getting baptized that day, you know, but I was sharing open about addiction and in that mm-hmm. baptism tub, we'll share about addiction and divorce and, uh, seeing uh, fellow soldiers get killed and how it messed you up and that eventually mm. brought you to Jesus. But the thing that goes along with it is these aren't spontaneous baptisms. We tell people when you want to get give your life to Christ, check this box on the card or online and we'll mm-hmm. talk to you about it. Right. And we want to make sure, you know, we baptize so many people who say, I got baptized as a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> right. And right. Yeah, so exactly. we don't want to like baptize 10,000 people and then they go all to other churches and have never really knew what they were doing. So we have a mm-hmm. conversation with every one of them. Mm-hmm. And the last stat I was told just recently is 51% of people who want to get baptized, we tell them not yet. We say, wow. hold the horses. And we say, we have some homework for you. And um, huh. if they're kids, uh, we say, go read the gospels of Luke and John, write down all your questions and we want to meet up again. And if wow. they don't do it, then they're not ready. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Because if Jesus is your Lord, if he's your savior for all eternity, you'll go read like a couple of books. Right. Yes. Um, and wow. a lot of people, we say, do you have, we say to all of them, do you have sin on the calendar? Right. And, <laughs> you know, That's a we had phrase. a guy recently who literally said, Hey, uh, let me get back to you. And then he called us back and said, I canceled some things that were on the calendar. I'm ready to follow Jesus. Wow. And we're like, let's go. I love and, it. I, and we I tell our that. church that. So it's like, mm-hmm. Hey, just because you check the box, it's not like, you're in, right? There, right? There's no hand right. raise or sinner's prayer in the Bible. It's like, let's get real about mm-hmm. what it means to follow Jesus. So I think that mm-hmm. captures in a church of full grace and full truth. Hey, we'll baptize you when you're just barely clean, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, yes. But we want to make sure you know what you're doing because it's too good to get this wrong and mess your future spiritual growth up. I love that. What a great, uh, vivid example and a great kind of looking under the hood. I appreciate you sharing that of how grace and truth works itself out in that one incredibly important step of baptism. That's just so great. Um, now you've uh, written a book called, I love this title, by the way, this is like lean in friends. This is a great title, <laughs> blood stained pews, how vulnerability transforms a broken church into a church for the broken uh, it's obviously around what we've been talking about today, but what got you to saying, you know what, I need to, I need to get this, do the hard work of pulling it all together into a book. Uh, why write this book? I believe this is what the church is missing okay. and we feel it, um, but we can't articulate it. I think this, uh, this is related to the whole deconstruction thing. I think this mm. is related to what you said about the tension of fast growing churches. Are they just shallow and hype? I think Mm -hmm. this is related to when we've been part of small groups and it's like nice, but I need Mm. something deeper, but then I don't like that word deeper. So what am I missing? Mm. I'm missing true community when vulnerability and the gospel collide. So if you have time, I'll tell you the story that was kind of the genesis of it. Absolutely. Uh, A few years ago, we weren't subscribing to any streaming services. We didn't have cable. Uh, I was home alone. My wife was out. Kids were in bed. I ended up watching this documentary on PBS. So it's like black and white. Love it. Love it. And it's about these two medics in World War II. They were Mm -hmm. airdropped into Normandy on D-Day. They were misdropped. They end up in this tiny town. And immediately one of them sees this 900-year-old church building, Mm. puts his uh, Red Cross flag on it and says, this is going to be our uh, trauma center. 
Mm-hmm. And they take turns going out with a wheelbarrow and bringing in soldiers who've been shot up and bringing them in there. And it's really wow. dramatic over the course of the night. Uh, at one point, a dud bomb falls through the ceiling and doesn't go off. Another point, oh, a German soldier bursts in with a machine gun. But when he sees they're just there as medics to help wounded soldiers, he crosses himself and leaves. Hmm. Um, they make hmm. every soldier of both sides check their weapons at the door. Wow. And they save some 80 men's lives that evening wow. before the fighting moves on to like the bigger areas of World War II. Right. But the thing that struck me about it was after the war was over and the people were rebuilding the town, they fixed, you know, the the hole in the roof, all the stained glass, stained glass had been shot out. So they re, uh, replaced all of that. But when they came to the pews, they were stained with blood mm. and they didn't replace the pews. They didn't hmm. sand it down. They left it. Oh, wow. Because they said this church was built 900 years ago to be a place of hope and healing for the bleeding and broken. And on D-Day, that's what it was. Wow. So I'm watching this documentary. My wife gets Gosh, home. that's amazing. She sees me watching this like little PBS special and I'm weeping. Mm. And she says, babe, are you okay? <laughs> like, don't mm. need to check you in? Mm-hmm. And I said, I've just seen the best picture of church I've ever seen. Wow. Because wow, when Jesus says in Matthew 11, hey, if you're tired or worn out, if you're weary and broken, come to me and I'll give you a real rest. And the, I love the way the message paraphrases verse 30 says, I'll help you live freely and lightly. Mm. When I see those blessed pews, I say, that's it. Right. That's it. That's how we hmm. get it. Wow. So I wrote the book. Yeah, so good. You know, I was struck when I uh, looked at this. I thought, man, this this seems like the kind of thing that would be. I'm sure there's leaders that have been listening into today's podcast, and they're saying, "Man, I wish, I wish I could be more that way. I wish our culture could be more this way." To me, this struck as a great leadership book to maybe you know. Here we are in the summertime. This is a great like, hey, let's read this together over the next three months. Let's get together three times and talk about what we're learning. Um, is that the is that what you had in mind? Who did you have in mind as you were writing this book? What was the kind of the 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 people you imagined that could uh, you know consume this content and then ultimately hopefully live differently because of it? This book is for Christians and fringe Christians who have mm-hmm. who are longing for better community, mm-hmm. and they have something inside them that's not working or that's broken. Uh, sometimes even a dream, and and it's mm-hmm. just not out there, and they feel alone. Mm-hmm. And I would say if you need. If the promises of Christian community have let you down, this book is for you. I love it. Um, talk to me about your thought you'd mentioned there around, um, it seems like deconstructionism is like everybody's talking about it. Uh, talk to me more about your thoughts on the connection between vulnerability and deconstruction particularly. So deconstruction goes to like these bigger questions of what is the church and you know, mm-hmm. can we trust the Bible? And those mm-hmm. are always important questions in context, I do draw a line in leadership between being cynical and being skeptical. Mm. Skeptical is honest questions. Cynical Mm -hmm. is trying to poke holes. And in the gospels, Jesus will answer skeptical people all day long, all day long. Cynical people, he does not have time for. I love when Jesus says, like, I wish I could get away with saying some of the things Jesus says. One of my favorite quotes (laughs) is when he says, how long, he says to his followers, how long do I have to stay here and put up with you? (laughs) <laughs> like if I said that in a staff meeting, I think my elders would get an email. I don't know, but it's a <laughs> yes, uh, so true. That's Jesus great. is all about skeptical. He hates cynical, right? Right. 
And I think deconstruction, when by the time we hear about someone's deconstruction, they're already cynical, right? It, it's mm-hmm. already like, I can't help you at this point. I want to help you, but you've mm-hmm. just gotten to a place where I can't. Mm-hmm. But we have to let them be open when they have the skeptical questions, right. the honest right. questions. Right. And I think the reason people get to those bigger cynical questions is because they couldn't be open about the real questions that mm-hmm. weren't even that big, but it just was like one small domino that led to a bigger domino. Like if I mm-hmm. can't ask this, then why do, what, right. what's even church supposed to be about? Right. right. So I think this doesn't solve someone who is already deconstructed, mm-hmm. but this will prevent the next generation from leaving the church saying it's not all it's cracked up to be. So good. Well, friends, I, I really want to encourage you to pick up copies. Like I said, I, this is the kind of book you shouldn't buy a copy for yourself. You should buy five or six and you should get some people together and actually read it together. Cause I think ultimately that's what we're trying to drive towards with an open, uh, vulnerable community is, is discussion with others. I think this would be a great conversation starter for your team. We're actually going to provide a link to the first chapter, uh, which is incredible. So, you know, if you're looking to, to get a sample of it, you could do that, but you could just skip over that and pick up a copy. I'm assuming we can get it at Amazon. I know we can get it at Amazon. Is there other places we want to send people online to pick up, uh, copies of bloodstained pews? I know it's getting on a couple other places. Um, but Amazon is just the easiest. So just get it on Amazon. <laughs> Great. But it is available there. Um, Audio, it's available digital for the Kindle readers and obviously paperback. We do have resources that Mm -hmm. we will give you for free if you do um, a group study or some churches have already contacted us and said, hey, this needs to be like our church's culture. We're doing an entire journey, an entire Mm -hmm. series that everything in the church is focused on. So Mm -hmm. if you contact me at Carl with a C at mosaicchristian.org. Uh, me and my team would love to help you uh, with giving you any free resources we can. So generous. Thank you so much, Carl. Is there anywhere else? This has been a fantastic conversation. Is there anywhere else we want to send people online uh, if they want to track with you or with the church? Yeah, carlcool.org is my website. Um, and that's where you can just sign up for updates. And uh, we're giving away the free chapter through this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's also available on my website mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mosaic Christian Church YouTube page is really the best place uh, if you're interested in more content. Love it. Thanks so much, Carl. Appreciate you being here cheering for you. Hopefully we'll have you back on in the future. I enjoy uh, you know learning from you and appreciate what you're doing at Mosaic Christian. Thanks so much for being here today. Appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.